from fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. You are listening to the Walkertown Report. Thank you for watching the Walkertown Report. My guest today is Dan Kutstead, who is a writer and broadcaster who broadcasts from Chicago on WNIJ and has written in a number of fields, but may best be regarded as uh, as a as a person who writes in the horror genre. And his latest book is Fiona's Guardians, which is a unique novel that centers around um, guardians who are hired by Fiona, the vampire, to keep her well-fed with blood uh, from the blood banks while trying to stay below the police radar. And, uh, well, the quote from the Amazon advertisement, when a vampire seduces you, death is minutes away. When, when she hires you, you'll wish you were dead. Tell me a little bit about uh, your book and about Fiona, because uh, there was a, a notation on one of your promotions never to say the word vampire to Fiona. So right, yeah, which is kind uh, of a, a vampire in denial, or uh, not denial. Uh, she prefers secrecy. Um, I, I think um, it, it makes sense. That I think if you're a creature who is uh, has a, a diet of ten pints of human blood per night. Uh, that you would want uh, to be uh, as secretive as possible, and the humans you hire uh, are, are also supposed to uh, observe that secrecy. And one of the rules is you never ever say the word vampire, no matter where you are, because uh, presumably enough humans out there know what that is. And even if it's fake, or they might they might think it's fictional, uh, that that um, you know that could lead to some discovery that she would not want. Uh, she has to sleep during the daytime, so that's when she's most vulnerable. And the humans, uh, the human guardians who uh, also invest her money uh, and procure blood for her, also protect her during the daytime. Uh, is she one of these vampires that are living forever, like for maybe a couple centuries? Or Yeah, she's 250 years old, and um, she's been hiring humans since roughly the early 20th century. And uh, so uh, that's been her mode. She's rather innovative among her vampire family, and that she uh, is the, was the first to hire humans to uh, to have somebody between her and murder police. <laughs> you know, so the trail would never come to her bedroom door. Yeah. Well, it's I should a long time to learn about investing, so I imagine, and it seems most vampires I read are like wealthy dynasties, probably because of all those centuries of learning and investing and things like that. They're almost always uh, per, uh, portrayed as aristocratic, uh, yeah, which is something I picked up on when, and I borrowed from uh, when I when I was putting this novel together. But what sets this apart from other vampire tales is, and when you think about it, there are not many alpha female vampires uh, or stories about them. Uh, we, I, you know, most of us can only name one: uh, the, the the vampire from the Queen of the Damned. Uh, by Anne Rice. That was Akasha, uh, played very memorably in the film by uh, singer Aaliyah. Uh, but you know, other than Akasha, there are, are very few alpha female vampires out there that people can know about. So I'm hoping that this will be the, the one that uh, people remember in the future. Fiona. And it sounds like, uh, just to go, go further with the book, sounds like her staff might be working a little bit too hard because while they're paying so much attention to the police, there's like a secret society of uh, monks whose aim is to kill Fiona? Yes, the, the secret society, Mors Strigae, this is an ancient Catholic, Catholic order of monks, so secret the Pope doesn't even know about it. Uh, but one cardinal uh, is uh, um, in charge of this organization, um, and they are, their sole vocation, if you will, <laughs> is to uh, exterminate vampires. And recently they've come back after a terrible defeat in 1900 in Italy, 
They've come back, and this time they're flying drones with thermal imagers to imagery uh, devices to detect the below-freezing vampires. Uh, they have uh, now they've, they've ditched the wooden stakes, and now they're using wood-tipped bullets to uh, uh, to kill vampires. So they've they've upped their game technolo- technologically speaking. But uh, Fiona's vampire family has kind of fallen into a sort of um, uh, malaise or even neglect, and they don't they're they're completely surprised by this story uh, uh, when they kill Fiona's sire, the one who created her Agrippina, and that's where the story, story. really begins to take off. Oh, I want to talk about uh, your, your first novel. Your first novel sounds pretty interesting. Uh, that was uh, Shepherd and the Professor, and that one, just from what I've read about it, seems to be more of a real-world-based novel, uh, non-vampiric, unless, of course, you're thinking about psychic vampirism, possibly. No, no, no. The yeah. first book uh, had nothing to do with the supernatural, but it shares a theme with Fiona's Guardians. Both books are um, obsessed with the idea of memory, of living on, li- having, in the case of Sh- uh, Shepard, uh, a Gulf War vet cop and single mom, uh, Susan Shepard, she wants, to, she has cancer when we meet her and she knows she's dying, so what she wants to do is write a memoir of her extraordinary story so that her memory, uh, you know, a book that presumably will never go out of print so she will always live. With Fiona, uh, the, the theme of um, immortality is a little more obvious in terms of uh, the vampire. She will just keep on living unless something catastrophic happens. Um, and there's a question about whether that happens uh, during the, the cliffhanger. But also the Guardians. The, the premise of this book is also she's interested in uh, keeping alive the memory of uh, the people who have worked for her. Um, so that's part of uh, what this book is about. Well, in the, in the, in the description, you're talking, you're talking about how she's frantically writing to editors, trying to get her book published before the cancer takes its inevitable toll. And as yeah. I'm reading this description, I'm just wondering, what was your journey like from uh, just being somebody who first attempted writing to actually getting published? I mean, was it anything like Fiona? I mean, was it anything like uh, Shepard? Uh, no. Uh, I had to completely imagine Susan Shepard. Uh, and, and so that, that whole thing was... Uh, uh, really an experiment in being some, uh, thinking, imagining myself as somebody who uh, I'm not, or, you know, I'm not female. I was never a, a veteran of a war, uh, or a cop, or a mother, <laughs> a single mother. With, uh, Fiona's Guardians, um, I, I sort of changed my thinking a little bit. Um, uh, yes, I, there's this theme of immortality, but frankly, I just wanted to write a vampire story. I've always been fascinated by vampires. Uh, as a kid, you know, watching those movies with Bela Lugosi or Christopher Lee. Uh, again, I did notice back in the 1980s when I was uh, watching these films, 70s, 80s, uh, that uh, there weren't many females. If they, uh, the female vampires that were presented were um, uh, often presented without any agency. They were sort of uh, slaves, if you will, to Dracula. Uh, Dracula had three wives, you know, the brides and all that. So I wanted to have a, a woman vampire who was large and in charge, and all the humans are working for her. Um, so that's how I created the story, and then I started pitching it to uh, to publishers and agents, and I eventually found a publisher uh, in England uh, who really liked it, Burton Mayer's Books, uh, in Bedfordshire, England, and uh, that's how the book came about. Uh, it was released a little more than a year ago. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I- I'm sure, well, I'm sure you must come to contact with uh, many young writers frequently, and I'm just wondering, in this era... Uh, Amazon Prime, streaming, and self-publishing, 
when, you know, anybody can really upload any document up and, you know, tur- turn that into in, in, into a book. What, what kind of advice do you give uh, our writers or starting writers as far as uh, getting established, getting promoted, and uh, and things like that? I, I would say think of a couple of things first. As you are preparing to publish your novel, um, or at least finish it, um, think about how seriously you want to be taken. Um, and also think about how big an audience you are writing for, or what kind of audience you are writing for. So if you're writing a memoir or a, a collection of poems that's very personal to you, uh, you may not want all the world reading your work. You might just want that for your family. Well, that's fine. And then in that case, you may also consider self-publishing uh, or putting these uh, uh, these uh, stories or, 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 or poems on Wattpad, a very popular um, self-publishing, blogging kind of thing that you can share with other Wattpad readers. It's uh, they're, they're free. Uh, you, anybody can contribute, and that's great. I think it's great, um, a great way for people to 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 exercise the writing muscle, if you will, and and and, mm-hmm. and, and hone their craft. Uh, if you are below the age of seventy-five. Uh, and you, uh, I was to consider not self-publishing. I'm going to, I'm just going to suggest this: that you don't self-publish. That you take the uh, uh, opportunity to um, submit. You don't have to publish and send out your entire work at first. You could, if you, as I did with my novel, publish a story as a chapter, uh, rather a chapter as a short story. An early chapter of Fiona's Guardians, we introduced Fiona and Daniel, her main human guardian. Uh, and then that gave me confidence to uh, publish another uh, chapter as a short story and another. So I think I, I put out maybe 11 uh, short stories, which later became chapters in the novel. And this allowed me to build relationships with publishers. It gave me confidence to know that I, I could get past gatekeepers. Uh-huh. Uh, and so then I thought, yeah, I'm going to get a real publisher, a traditional contract publisher, um, and, yeah, you know, and go for that. Um, I mentioned 75 years old. That was a rough, you know, if you're getting older or if you, you know, are you looking at, at, uh, and you just want to publish a book, go ahead and do it, you know, get a good edit. But yeah, if you don't want to wait 10 years or five years to, to put your work out, that's a different story. Uh, but I still, uh, I'm 54. Uh, I was 54 when the book came out. Uh, and I felt like I, I, it was worth, the uh, time to, uh, to to try to get a traditional publishing contract because um, I did want to be taken very seriously. I'm middle aged, but I'm very much still at the beginning of my writing career. So, well, would you say then uh, that that, it, that if you were to self-publish your book on Amazon, uh, then you know that would be great as far as maybe expanding your base or getting an audience, but you're pro- it's it, it's not quite. Uh, the same level of success then as if you were to hold back and then try to submit shorter stories to publishers and all? I, I think it remains a valid option, and there are some stories, some books that were self-published initially that, that succeeded. Um, it, we are coming up on the Christmas season. It's well worth remembering that Charles Dickens could not find a publisher for A Christmas Carol. He self-published that. He had previously been published, but you get the idea. Uh, uh, the Martian. Uh, by Andy Weir. That book was self-published initially. Uh, uh, so that's a, a rare example of a, a, a novel that got uh, traction very quickly and found an audience and then later um, filmmakers to want to make it into a film. Um, so there are exceptions to uh, to this, but I, I'm going to suggest, it's merely a suggestion, 
Uh, please, all you self-publishing writers out there who believe that that is the correct path, you're doing something legitimate. But I, I, I wanted more. I wanted also to be taken more seriously. Um, and I'm, I can still say that the, 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 the bulk of the reviewers out there, uh, uh, still consider, um, uh, a traditionally published novel, you know, something that has been, uh, gone, has gone through a, a much more of an editing process to be a little bit more serious. And I think that's, it remains the case today. Mm-hmm. Uh- you mentioned, mentioned something about uh, ad- adaptations. I understand that uh, isn't uh, there an actor's group about to either turn Fiona's uh, Guardians into either a play or maybe reenact a sh- short segments from the book? Or This is probably the most exciting thing that has happened to me uh, in my writing career. Um, I uh, I work in a radio station, WNJ, that you mentioned, and uh, one, of the, uh, one of our midday hosts, Phil Masterton, is also an actor. And he is a member, or he does, has done a lot of acting with this uh, group called Artists Ensemble Theater. It is an all-professional acting company that, um, well, during the pandemic, they had to shut down all their live performances. So they um, got cleverer, and they said, we'll do a podcast. We'll have all these professional actors come in, and we'll do podcast uh, uh, presentations. Very high quality uh, uh, pr- very, very well produced uh, with sound effects, music, and then the actors speaking. Um, uh, so Mysterious Journey is the podcast, and it's available everywhere, uh, including Spotify. And my novel, Fiona's Guardians, was adapted by uh, one of the founders of Artists Ensemble Theater, Margaret Rather, who is a playwright. She took three chapters of my book, made a complete arc of it, and then uh, they hired seven union actors to come in and record the parts. Uh, she showed me the script. I loved the script. I thought that she was she did a brilliant job. And this thing is now available everywhere, and it is gold. I mean, it not, I think from the listener's standpoint, from the podcast audience's standpoint, it works. I've been hearing very good things about it. But for a writer uh, seeking further adaptations, film, TV, etc., this is gold. Because now I can go to other uh, people in the industry and say, this has been adapted once. It's high quality. Give it a listen. It's 23 minutes of your life. And why don't we talk about maybe making a short film or perhaps uh, do a fully staged play of this? The options are many, and I have been thinking about it a lot. Um, and I would love, if anybody, if there are any talented film producers and directors out there who are looking to adapt a novel to into a screenplay, I am willing to have that conversation. Wow. <laughs> Well, you know, this really, would you say that this really is kind of a golden age for adaptation with Amazon Prime and Netflix and so many, uh, venues now for stories to get out? I mean, it's almost like a quality glut. Well, and, 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 and now we're just focusing on the quality pieces. Yes, there's a lot of really good quality television, streaming television and film out there. Uh, there's some that's, because there's obviously it's such a demand. There's some that's maybe a little, you know, uh, not so great. Uh, from what I've seen, uh, I have I've um, developed opinions about the filmmakers and TV producers who I consider to be doing really great work. And, uh, you know, Mayor of East Town comes to mind as a really great uh, TV show on HBO, for example. I'm looking forward to the second season of that. Succession is another one. Uh, there, uh, but, uh, yes, you're right. There is a staggering 
amount of content available on streaming devices, our streaming channels. And uh, again, you can get these anywhere. You can just, you consume this content anywhere through your phone, your Roku, uh, you know, or you can just go out to the old fashioned movie theater and watch a movie. Well, that's cool too, you know, but, uh, I would like to think that there's a place for an alpha female vampire and her human <laughs> guardians out there. And uh, I think maybe uh, there, there'd be an audience for it. So. I, th- I think there is. I think there is a place for, for, for an alpha female vampire. So. Yeah. yeah. So, so what, what, what's up uh, as far as 2022 uh, for you, as far as promotions? I mean, what kind of conventions do you go to? Well, yeah, now the conventions are starting to open up. Uh, there's a, I'm a member of the writers, uh, the Chicago Writers Association, so they have their annual convention uh, that they're going to bring back this summer. Um, there are, um, I understand that there are, uh, through my dad, who's an extra in Hollywood, he, he acts on uh, films in Hollywood, uh, he uh, has told me that there are pitch conferences and workshops out there for Hollywood producers, and so he and I may go out uh, to one of those in September. Um, I also have to write another book. I mean, I don't have to, but I, I, I sense that there's an audience that, that wants to know more about Fiona and her story and her guardians, including Daniel. And I, I, I'm going to spend some time this winter really bearing down on writing the next book, the, the sequel. Uh, thank you very much for the series. This is very informative uh, because in my mind, I mean, I, I also write, and so I'm thinking about, well, what are the avenues? What are the options uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, to go out, you know, realistically? And yeah, there are, there are many, there's so many paths. There are so many paths to getting your work out there. Uh, right. find the one that works for you. It may be a traditional publishing contract. It may be a self-publishing contract. Right. Uh, but find it, you know, find your readers. And of course, the uh, one way to do that is through finding reviewers. You need to get uh, legitimate reviewers out there who will, who will, uh, uh, trumpet your work if it's that good. So, uh, all the best with your writing, Dwayne. I hope that you get, uh, uh, that your, your book becomes a bestseller. Well, th- th- thank you very much, and I hope the same uh, for, for your book. And I can't wait to see future adaptations. Oh, yeah. I think it'll probably go beyond uh, the, the, the actor's group that's doing yours. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future. Uh, so so, so th- thank you uh, for, for being with us. Oh, do you have anything else that you need, need to say? Uh, no, uh, Dwayne, uh, thank you very much for, uh, for inviting me. This has been really fun talking with you. All right. Well, well. Th- thank you for this interview, and uh, of course, uh, th- thank you all for uh, watching out there, and thanks for watching the Walkertown Reports. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Walkertown Report. Links to any product discussed on the Walkertown Report may be found in the description. If you do not have access to the description, please visit Walkertown.com for more information. Thank you for listening to the Walkertown Report.